Hi, friends. This week's episode is a very personal one talking about mental illness, as well as thoughts of suicidal ideation and just general everything kind of sucks. <laughs> it's a doozy. So please consider this your trigger warning if a, a little bit heavier of an episode, and it's not all heavy, I promise. There are some laughs. If that's not right for you this week, feel free to take this week off. We totally understand, but otherwise, this is your trigger warning, and we hope that you do stay with us and do listen to this conversation, and we hope that you take solace in it or find peace. Hopefully, it speaks to you, too. Okay, bye. Well, hello there, prom party. <laughs> we interrupt your regularly scheduled stuff for this. <laughs> and this is, uh, I, I got a little bit of a broken brain and broken emotions this week. And um, we put it a little bit more in depth on the Patreon, but if you are listening to this, I, I think that it's only appropriate that we fill you in a little bit. Um, this weekend coming up from when we're releasing this was WrestleMania, and we were going to cover the film Fighting With My Family uh, with Florence Pugh as the WWE wrestler Paige, and um, this is not that. No, this is quite the opposite of that. <laughs> this so. isn't us celebrating wrestling, a thing that we have a lot of love for, Just, despite I think both of us being pretty like, meh about wrestlemania this year right like i don't think either of us really care that much no i mean ronda rousey's on the card so my interest level already just plummets into hell oh god she's been really awful the last couple of weeks huh yeah she's real terrible. hilariously bad yeah god she sucks yeah she sucks anyway this is the opposite <laughs> of that because we're talking about feelings instead of being hype <laughs> yeah so I mean, obviously, I'm kind of laughing through this, but the reality of the situation is that earlier this week, I kind of hit a point where I really needed to do some internal investigation of where I was uh, mentally, how I was feeling, because I wasn't in a good headspace. And I'm obviously not going to go into details of what that means, because I don't need to re-traumatize myself or anyone else that's listening to this, but... I think all too often when you're somebody who works in any sort of like entertainment or performance-based sphere, and that does include podcasts, mm -hmm. there's this mentality of like, the show must go on, right? Like that's- Shut up and sing. Shut up and sing. Like it's very much Shut that. up and tell me a joke. Yeah. Yeah. That's very much a thing. And there's a lot of pressure. To, to maintain that, like, oh, well, we can't let people know what's really going on, right? BJ, like, BJ, how many times have you cried this last week? Uh, to quote Mean Girls, the limit does not exist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have been big ball of all feelings. Uh, I get a lot of texts going, I've cried three times today, <laughs> just in the duration of me being at work for like six hours. Yeah, it's hours. like 11 a.m. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I, th it's been a hell of a day today, even. For I real? had to wake up at 5 a.m. to get ready for work. Mm -hmm. You just had to cover the mess that was the Oscars. Uh, yeah, yeah. Speaking of <laughs> the show must go on not being the best course of action. It's just, there's a lot happening today. And mm -hmm. boy, it's just exhausting. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So what we wanted to do this week instead is rather than just take the week off, which that was definitely an option, um, I wanted us to have a conversation about, I guess, setting limits, um, checking in with yourself, mm-hmm. and not falling into the show must go on trap that I think so many of us fall into from time to time because it's not healthy for everyone. Like there are definitely people where like that is their coping mechanism, right? Like put my head into work and I can't focus on the situation. Like I just got to do, 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 because if I stop, then the reality sinks in. Like there are a lot of people that do that. This feels very targeted. I was not targeting. (laughs) I did almost use the expression like that you always use, which is like, I'm a shark, I have to keep moving or I die. But I was like, no, because then you will think it's pointed and I'm trying to like generalize this. Well, the reason that (laughs) I bury myself into work and projects and stuff like that when things are awful is usually because when things are awful, there's nothing I can do about it. So why dwell on it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really, really good point, true, too. Like, and and obviously there's nuance to all of this. Well, yeah, no, this is not a one-size-fits-all tool. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> um, you can use a hammer to build a clubhouse. You can also use a hammer to tenderize steak. What The, the tools have <laughs> lots of meanings. Exactly. That was a great metaphor. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Did you make that up yourself, or did you read that on a t-shirt? Uh, that was me making up stuff while I was reaching down to grab my tea. <laughs> so I'm just off the cuff. It's been a long Look day. at you philosophizing. I like it. I Sure. <laughs> so this may be an unconventional episode, uh, but there is still time for everyone's favorite. This month, we want to spotlight something that we think you will find very, very interesting. The Cosmic Game. The Cosmic Game is an original horror fantasy audio drama from the immersive production company Drunken Devil located in Los Angeles. A modern twist on classic radio dramas, the podcast tells the story of God and the devil as they try to outwit one another in an effort to gain influence over all earth-dwelling mortals. Listeners will encounter vampires in New Orleans, ancient Roman tyrants, cults, and demons in this supernatural melodrama. The Cosmic Game incorporates at-home cocktail recipes curated to match each episode for an unparalleled listening experience. The first three episodes are available now wherever you get your podcasts, with new episodes releasing weekly. For more information, check out thedrunkendevil.com. T-H-E, drunkendevil.com. Now that we are morally and professionally (laughs) done with our plugs, let's do what we're doing and talk about things. Yeah, let's, let's, let's sit down and talk about stuff. All right, so here's, here's the thing right off the bat that I just want to kind of like say and get out of the way. Um, early on, being able to stop and take a break and mentally prepare myself and get myself in a good headspace is a privilege. And I want that to be very explicitly known because the reality is in a capitalist society with broken social systems, I'm talking about America here, a lot of people cannot afford to, to do that. 
And that is a very harsh reality. So I need people to know that the extent of this conversation, I am obviously not saying it to the people who systemically cannot take these breaks. So when I say things like, hey, take a break and chime in with yourself, please understand from my heart of hearts, I'm aware that not everyone has the capacity to do that. So like, please assume good faith moving forward. I love that not only is this episode going to be like how we do just in-depth conversations on topics on the Patreon, Mm -hmm. but also the thing you're doing where we dedicate an entire episode to talking about preemptive defenses of arguments on the internet because people have bad faith. Well, so here's the thing. I'm going to use a very recent example of this, right? So we're recording this after I had to work the Oscars. Like, I had to write about it all night. And for those who somehow missed this uh there was a moment where chris rock made a not very cool joke about jada pinkett smith and will smith came on stage and punched him in the face i think he slapped him he slapped him yes correct he slapped him in the face um i'm not going to get into the complexities of all of that because that isn't a that's a podcast in its of itself and my white ass doesn't need to do that Uh but what i will say is I realized very quickly upon seeing people react to this that something that people don't know is that Jada Pinkett Smith has alopecia and she's been very open about it. She dedicated an entire episode on Red Table Talk to talking about her struggles with this. So yeah, Chris Rock making fun of her having a bald head, not a cool move. So I tweeted that out just to add context like, hey, FYI, Jada Pinkett Smith has alopecia and him making fun of her bald head is not fucking cool. Mm -hmm. And that's really all I said immediately it got turned into like, oh, so you're condoning the violence that he received? Oh, so I guess it's okay to punch people? Oh, so, and I'm like, where the fuck did I say any of that? All I did was offer context that you are projecting onto me, my dude. I, a lot of people are doing a lot of projecting and I'm sure Ooh, yeah. even between the tonight that we're doing this and the tomorrow, things are going to get even messier because there's mm-hmm. a whole lot of people saying a whole lot of out-of-pocket stuff. But I mean, speaking of context, though, um, people I've seen be like, men will really win Oscars before going to therapy. And I'm like, Will Smith's literally in therapy. Mm -hmm. Will Smith wrote in his book Mm -hmm. about therapy and about how he felt like a coward for not being able to protect his mom from his abusive dad. Mm -hmm. And Chris Rock has made fun of his wife multiple times on the stage at the Oscars for no reason. And... Will Smith's clearly not in a good place. None of us are in a good place. It's been a rough couple of years. I just had like a two-hour conversation with one of my best friends back home. Uh, Kristen, if you're listening to this, I love you and miss you, Dad. But it was all about us just basically being like, I have immense COVID exhaustion, and I think I've held it together abnormally long compared to most people. Mm -hmm. Like, I held it down for a solid two years, and now I've hit the point where I'm like, I miss life. Mm Mm-hmm. I've officially hit my I'm I'm worn out and beaten by fucking COVID world. Mm-hmm. Like I had to go to a Target today. Oh my goodness, I did not enjoy a COVID world trip to Target today. I tried really hard. I I, got, I ordered it online. I set it up for pickup. That is not what went down. No, curbside pickup means you have to go inside and get it. I know. And that involves parking in a like a labyrinthian parking garage <laughs> and crossing like a sky bridge to get into the like three-story target. I know. I I really did try to do my you due tried. diligence. It's not your Just fault. Just the world was not on our side today. Way too many people getting in my space with their dirty breath, not wearing <laughs> masks. 
Just being like, I'm going to walk down the middle of this aisle that's already very thin. Fuck you if you're in my way. I'm like, why is everyone in Los Angeles have main character syndrome? I fucking hate it. I do want to say that when you said dirty breath, my brain went to the dirty bubble from SpongeBob. So I was just imagining you walking through Target, just being surrounded by a bunch of animated dirty bubbles, just being like, kind of, I just, it, it really is just like the cherry on top of me being done with COVID and seeing how much everyone is not done with COVID. Yeah. Like they're they're clearly done with it, but like they've just decided like, it's just going to be a thing now. Yeah. Yeah. So like I'm tired, but I'm <laughs> holding it together because I bury my work, my head in my work. Mm-hmm. You don't do that. No, I feel all my feelings. Yes, I feel my feelings, but only when there's actually something I can do about it. Yeah, I feel them twenty four seven. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I guess this was all just kind of like a, a roundabout way to saying like the reason that we did the preemptive defense is because it, it, people don't like nuance. It's hard for them. Uh, holding two truths at the same time is really hard for people. Our listeners are very nice and very accommodating. They've been saying very nice things on the Patreon all day mm-hmm. about like, no, take your space. We love you. Yeah, and y'all we have been really great. All of you for it, and I absolutely cried about it because <laughs> I cry a lot. Because Will I cry on this? Place your bets now, friends. <laughs> we'll see. I. Just, it's just. <sighs> so, B- BJ, where would you like to start first with this conversation? I guess I feel like I should give a little bit of background to kind of give people an idea of like, you know, kind of where I'm coming from. So I've talked about probably all of this like bits and pieces on previous episodes. Y'all know I've been through some shit Mm -hmm. between like cancer and assault and abusive relationships. Like so like I've got all of that going on. But at the same time, I have two... Nah, more than that. Let's be real here. Um, I've been diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm somebody who lives with bipolar disorder. And uh, I have brain damage um, from being on experimental medications that did not play right with radiation treatment. Um, so I do, I, do have, I do have brain damage. And um, these are things that I live with. I'm not ashamed of any of them, but they do make the world a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. And they do also sometimes greatly impact how I'm able to endure the world around me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have noticed that I'm becoming a bit more agoraphobic. Like, I do leave the house. Um, rarely, but yes. Rarely, but I do. Like, we go... To, more than you did a year ago. Yeah. We go we go outside and we'll, like, go to the park where somewhere's outside. Obviously, we'll go to the grocery store because it's a thing that I have to do, but... I do not leave the house unless kind of absolutely necessary because I'm somebody who's also immunocompromised and whether the world wants to believe this or not, we are still in a pandemic, one that absolutely could still kill me. Mm-hmm. And and Los Angeles lifting mask mandates mm-hmm. like three weeks ago is not doing anyone any favors. Right. So there's just like that added stress on top of, you know, everything that I deal with. And then, you know, the last couple of months... Um, I've been dealing with like back to back to back tragedies um, and loss and death. And in all of those situations, I was a caregiver for the people in my life that I love because I am also very good at compartmentalizing things. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm able to kind of like lock my 
emotions behind door number one and walk out of door number two so that I can help other people. Mm-hmm. But door number one doesn't go away. And it can get overflown. And eventually, that door is going to swing open whether I want it to or not. Mm-hmm. The door has swung open. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> um, I've been there. I've seen it. <laughs> See, I don't... I, I know that we're really candid. We're being extremely, like, loosey-goosey on just this episode fundamentally. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if people who listen, because, you know, we we try to clean up our editing, make it really concise. Like, we, we produce a show. Right. Um, I don't know if people see how upset you are in, like, the fullest extent. Like, you've cried multiple times on the show. Oh, yeah, but, absolutely. But there's definitely things where we've had to take, like, breaks. We've had to do other mm-hmm. things. Um, I don't know if people know the extent of which your brain doesn't work sometimes because we if it, edit it all out. <laughs> if it's sputtering like an old car, uh, yeah, we, we cut that. So, uh-huh. uh, cause I know that you have some insecurities about it. I do because so. the best way I can describe it to people. So I do this thing that we call plane stationing, mm-hmm. right? And it gets its name because one time my mom and I were driving somewhere and there were a bunch of airplanes flying really low to the ground. And my mom's like, wow, this is wild and i was like oh yeah we're really close to the uh plane station because my brain damage is in a way where i it's not so severe that i'm unaware when i'm fucking up Mm -hmm. i am fully aware that i am fucking up but i'm able to like use context clues and try to like get my way out of it and Mm -hmm. full disclosure plane station is like way better than airport because it rhymes with train station like well we had boats before we had trains (laughs) you know what that's a great point (laughs) so um that's where it gets the name from so frequently i will say things on this podcast and sometimes we catch it sometimes we don't where i will just straight up use the incorrect word for something because my brain knows where i'm trying to get and it's like oh i don't know if this is right but we're just going to keep going because we don't need people to know that we're stopping Mm because that's the thing i get most insecure about is when uh i short circuit and I just stop talking because I can't figure out what's supposed to come next because my brain is just not firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Um, so to prevent that, I try to fill that space by just saying things that are either close or using like flowery language, a lot of adjectives. Purple prose. Purple prose in the hopes that by the time I'm done adding filler, my brain will get to where I want to be and I'll say the correct word. I mean, that's me saying the word fuck, so. (laughs) So like there are a lot of aspects of the way that like my mental illness and my brain damage come out in the way that I communicate that a lot of people don't see because it does get edited out Mm -hmm. because it's an audio format you can't see my face when something is wrong and i'm gesturing with my hands to tell you i'm not done yet Mm -hmm. i just i'm trying to get to where i am i'm trying Mm -hmm. to find it those are things you can't see so we just cut those parts out um so that's you know something something to keep in mind i've definitely recorded a few episodes on here where i've probably not been in the best headspace but kind of fell into that trap of like the show must go on and Mm -hmm. I'm going to be real, like this week, I I was so scared because it was like, I just guested it on the Coming Out podcast with Lauren and Nicole. We were just on American Hysteria. Chelsea Weber-Smith was just on our show. We're we getting so much collaborative stuff. <laughs> we're getting so many new listeners. This is not the time, brain. I didn't, you, of all the times, this is not the time for you to be like, ha system shut down. But that's one of the perks of having 80 episodes in a back catalog for people to check out. This is very true. But it was just like, oh, 
oh, fuck me. And like, I knew it was coming. I could feel it. It was really, really bad on Tuesday. Like, it, like super, super bad. And then I knew coming out pod was coming out on Wednesday. And I was like, oh, fuck me. I was like, we're going to get so many new listeners. And I'm having a mental breakdown. I was like, what mm-hmm. the fuck am I going to do? And I agonized over it four days mm-hmm. until finally uh, Harmony was at work. And I just texted her and was like, look, I cannot do this episode. Like, Fighting With My Family is a movie that we both love so much. People have been dying for us to talk about wrestling. It's WrestleMania weekend. Like, this is a really important movie. I don't have it in me. Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot do this movie justice because I'm going to be so distracted worrying about like what am i saying is what i'm saying okay do i sound okay are people gonna know that i am losing my shit on the other side of this microphone Mm -hmm. do they know that i am fidgeting nonstop? do they know that like i i'm just freaking out man like Mm -hmm. (laughs) are they gonna know and i was like i can't fucking do it i can't do it we gotta we gotta not do the episode we've got to either take a break or have an entirely different conversation and i wanted to have the conversation because something that I value as a podcast listener, because I'm an obsessive podcast listener, I like when my hosts are vulnerable if that's the type of show you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like if you're somebody who does a show where like it's, you know, really well researched and, you know, that's kind of the thing. And then suddenly it's like, hey, (laughs) by the way, like that would feel a little off to me, but I would obviously appreciate it because I care about their work. Mm -hmm. But our show is so much like not just about teen movies, but it's also about us. Like we share anecdotes about our personal life. And it would have just felt really dishonest to me to just like take a week off and then come back as if nothing happened. I, yeah, no, I, I understand that. Um, the way that we always describe our podcast is that we are a movie podcast, but we also are, we're mostly just talking about coming of age and life experiences via those movies. Right. Um, which is really just our specific brand of our podcast family over at You Are Goods. Mm -hmm. We're a movie podcast. (laughs) About feelings. About feelings. Yeah, we're a coming of age podcast about movies yeah like like, that's what it is it's very much within you know fruit grown on the same tree Mm -hmm. but i think that that benefits us because there are plenty of episodes where we don't even talk about the movie that much yeah our eighth grade episode is just like emotional damage like (laughs) all of us yeah i it's it's fine it's a thing um i mean i'll be fully honest i've not been in the best headspace either but yeah I'm the one who has to keep it together because we both can't be fucking horrible messes. And realistically, all that means is I just have to wait until your brain fixes itself. And then I get to take care of you. It'll be fine. It's a tag team effort. Yeah, like you're. <laughs> like, that's the thing with like being bipolar is it's like oh you'll swing back up eventually. <laughs> you'll you'll go manic. You'll something or you'll get like stage health. When you need to, and you'll spring back into action. Mm-hmm. And that's not like the healthy way of looking at things, but like that's just how your body and your brain works. Well, I think that it's also, it's just a very honest way of looking at it. Like th- my behavior and my mood things, like they're very cyclical and they sort of follow a pattern. Like I can't set my clock to it by any stretch of the imagination. I wish I could. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like if I could have like the little birth control chart where it's like, and this week you take your 
sugar pills and it's also the week where you're going to be manic. Like that would be fucking tight. Mm -hmm. I would be so excited. I have no control when this happens. Mental illness does not give a flying fuck about my calendar. I wish it did though. That'd be, that'd be so great. Like I could at least prepare myself, but I can't. But when it does happen, it is cyclical. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind I of recognize patterns. You yeah, know. I, we yeah. both kind of know when it's gonna when it's gonna even out. I mm-hmm. guess is the way to put it. Um, I but, mean, right now you're a little manic. A little. I have a lot I, of energy. I, I have a lot of nervous energy. I right think now. it's a lot of nervous energy, and even if we're not doing an actual episode, there still is an element of you being like, "I'm a theater kid. I'm I have to be on." Yeah. There is a certain level of like it just kicks in naturally. Oh yeah, it's reflexive. Like yeah. it's. I can't control it, which is why, like, eventually, maybe I'll mellow out and not be so, like, performancey about talking about this. But mm-hmm. eh, who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Taking a breath felt nice. Yeah. You should do that more often. I know. My sinuses have not been the best for breathing, but I did take a breath. Um, so another reason that I really wanted to talk about this as sort of an independent episode is that with the the COVID restrictions getting looser, a lot of people have really been feeling almost as if they have to like make up for lost time, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Oh, the way I've been describing it um, like over my two hour Zoom call recently was like, LA is a great city if you like to do things. Mm-hmm. If you don't like to do things or you don't want to go out because of COVID, then you're just paying four times as much rent to stay in your house, and you can do that anywhere. Right. It just happens to be sunny. Yes. So there is this almost pressure where I feel like, hey, I moved across the country, and I'm in a new exciting city. I should do things. I'm like, "Mm, no, Mm -hmm. I'm not kosher with that. Mm -hmm. Not going there yet. And what I want people to know, if, if no one has told you, you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, you really don't. Like, But I'm wasting my best years. You're fucking not, is the thing. Like, there is no such thing as, like, your quote-unquote best years. Like, you could argue, oh, well, it's when I get old, I'm not going to be as able to do things. Cool, guess what? There are people that are your age now that can't do things because they have disabilities, and they're making it work. We can all make it fucking work. Mm-hmm. Like, I am severely mentally ill and I am making it work. I am not going to let anyone tell me like, oh, but these are the best years of your life. No, the best years of my life are fucking all of them because I'm alive and I should be dead. That's the other thing like that is so fucky about all of this and why like I get so irritated with like my own mental illness (laughs) is because I had pancreatic cancer, right? I should have died. 96% of the people who were in my situation, they die. How the fuck did I not die? I don't know. And it's wild to me where I'm like, brain, motherfucker, you should not even be here. What, why are you ruining my day? What are you doing? And, and something very important that was said to me by a very wise person is that your brain is not meant to keep you happy. Your brain is trying to keep you alive. And that is such a real fact that people need to know. It's like, your brain is not here to make you happy. Your brain is here to keep you alive. Mm -hmm. And sometimes keeping you alive 
is telling you to sit the fuck down and deal with these emotions. Oh, you're not going to deal with them? Cool. You're going to cry and have intrusive thoughts for days because this is your brain telling you, deal with this. You cannot keep putting this off. You have to deal with this Mm -hmm. or you're not going to survive. And it's like, you know what, brain? I don't like your tactic, but you're right. And it did work. And yes, I am sitting down and I am fucking dealing with it. Yeah. I wish you got to sit down and chill the fuck out and deal with it more often. I would love that. <laughs> I uh, I think you just, you're, you're constantly doing things to your hands. Mm-hmm. You're constantly having to be watching things and keeping busy. Part of it is also because I have aphantasia. And so this is going to be like a really weird thing. So people with aphantasia, they don't have a mind's eye. Like they can't visualize things. And for some of us, we still do have an internal monologue, which I do. Like I have thoughts rolling all the time. But because I don't have anything to visualize when I close my eyes, I have nothing but talking in my head. It's just thoughts. And because I'm mentally ill... Sometimes those thoughts are not good. Oh, you get thoughts going like, you know what you should do? You should go get a filet of fish. That Yeah, that happened once. Um, if any of you follow me on Medium, I once wrote an article about how I had an intrusive thought um, of taking my own life, and I am deathly allergic to fish. So I was like, what if I just bought a filet of fish and ate it? Like, what if I just did that right now? What if mm-hmm. I just did it? And like, it sounds so silly, but, like, that is me welcoming, like, anaphylactic shock and dying. Like, that's not okay. Like, that's a fucking weird, intrusive thought to have. But that that's what happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I keep myself busy either with fidgets or watching things or typing or working or reading or doing anything because sometimes I'll be alone with my thoughts and it'll be a great day and I can breathe and I can really center myself and get in touch with myself. But then every once in a while, it's like, hey, aren't you curious to know what it would feel like to just lay down in front of traffic? <laughs> like, what if you did that? And it's just like, I got to get that thought out of here. I got to not have this thought here. And, you know, a lot of people might be like, well, get on medication or go to therapy. Oh, I am on both. I have been doing both. Mm-hmm. Just sometimes this is how your brain is wired. And it makes life a little bit harder to get through. I find your brain so interesting in this sense because there is almost like this sense of like stillness that I get out of thoughts like that. Mm-hmm. Because I've basically been so I've been orbiting the concept of suicide since like I was like nine years old. Mm-hmm. And um, the the musician Wendy O. Williams, she ended up taking her own life. And her note basically read like, oh, hey, I wasn't depressed. I wasn't sad. Don't be sad for me. I was just done. And I'm like, you know what? That uh, That's fine. I find like peace in that where it's just like, what if I'm just done? What if I just decided I was done? And I am a small, insignificant piece of blood and carbon in the universe and in the grand scheme of things I don't matter and that's great 
And like, that's how I center myself and get Zen is like the, my own insignificance. And that probably stresses out most people. Like nihilism brings you peace. I wouldn't say it's nihilism. I just think that it's like, I don't know. It's, I can't control most things. So why should I stress about them? I can't control things other than my own life. And I just decide like, what if I'm just done then? I'm like, I've just hit my level of like, I'm done with where we are politically and socially and personally. And I just, I don't need it anymore. What if I just get to that point and I go, okay, we're cool now. I mean, I don't have an answer for you on that. I'm not, I'm, I'm this is metaphor. This is like right. rhetorical. Yeah. But I, I just think that your brain, your brain is broken. And yet your brain is probably more the correct way to be thinking about stuff like that. I mean, maybe, but I think that goes into the deeper question of, like, there's no real, like, establishment for normal, right? Like, we've pretty much figured that out over these years. Like, there is no such thing as, like, a quote-unquote normal brain or a normal thought process. Like, the things that for so many years we've been like, oh, that's just normal, or like, that's just what guys do, or that's just what girls do. We've all realized, like, no, that's no. Like, mm -hmm. that's not that's not true, right? Um, like, the amount of times that people say things that are just like, oh, yeah, my, you know, it, it, my my grandfather never showed affection, and like, he's fine, and it's like, are is he? You, are you sure? <laughs> are you fucking sure, bro? Um, or did he just harden everything until he became stone? Right. I don't know if that's the good way to be. I I don't know. I, I Again, I think about most of life through music, and this is how everything works. Um, I know I've referenced him before on the thing because I plugged him out as like an indie shout-out one time. But um, the musician Will Wood, I actually find a, a great deal of peace in reading his thoughts on mental illness but specifically with his song um or with his album the normal album there's a concept that you know if you if you have severe like mental unwellness which regardless of what you might be diagnosed with um people want you to be normal but only in the capacity that you're normal in the way they want you to be so it's like oh take mm -hmm. drugs take there get therapy get all these things in order to make yourself be normal by my standards in order for you to make palatable in order for you to be made palatable and for me to love you but maybe that's not who you are and maybe that's not the version of you that you want maybe that's just the version other people want and people should love you for you as you are mm -hmm. and obviously that gets into weird territory of like super unchecked people like Kanye West mm -hmm. but I mean everything in excess yeah. Like, how far do you go off the rails? Mm -hmm. Like, are, are how much of you? How much are you in control of your own specific destiny and your own life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that I think these are very like you know big brain galaxy brain questions. Like, there are no answers. I'm not asking for questions. Right. I'm just more. I'm 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 being a philosopher in a sense that I'm presenting <laughs> concepts. <laughs> and I go, okay, here's the things that bring me peace as I think about them. Because there's no answers, but they feel like answers to me. And, like, I like that you mentioned that you find, like, your peace and your solace so much through music. And, like, that's what helps you interpret the rest of the world. Because I feel the same way about movies, right? Like, movies to me are how I figure out how I'm feeling through the world. Like, one day we'll talk about spontaneous and oh, I will absolutely cry. Like uh -huh. 100% guaranteed cry. Like that movie is about teenagers exploding and it is very clearly a metaphor for school shooting. 
And yet the thing I take away from it is that it is the best example of survivor's guilt I've ever seen put on a screen. Mm-hmm. And watching that movie like helps me navigate my own feelings that I have with my survivor's guilt of being one of those 4% of pancreatic cancer people who don't die. Mm-hmm. Like I I was never able to contextualize it because again, I have aphantasia. I can't see it in my mm-hmm. head. Like I physically cannot see it in my head, but I can see it on screen. So when someone else presents it or like, you know, tells me a story and I can visualize it through film, that's when I have my breakthroughs then at therapy because now I can have these like concepts and thoughts and things I've been, you know, playing around with in my head and saying and not fully knowing how to like contextualize it. And now I can, now I can add context to it and I can say, okay, I watched this movie and this is what happened and this is how she reacted and I saw it with my eyes and I know that that's what I do. Mm. And now I can I can figure this out. So like for me, movies have always been not my therapy, but a tool that enriches my therapy. Well, yeah, it helps you see things. It's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I'll know it when I see it. R- right. And it's one of those things where like occasionally you don't know how hard something's going to hit you until you watch it. Like Turning Red was one of those movies. Mitchells versus the Machines was one of those movies Mm -hmm. where I was just like, oh, this is going to be fun. And then suddenly I'm like, I need to unpack things because Mm -hmm. I have now seen it. I have seen it play out. Now I know how to like deal with this. Mm -hmm. No, that makes total sense. I suppose in my case, it's like, not that I see things specifically, but like, I think that's something that I bring up pretty regularly while trying to explain like a certain movie or a certain appeal of a movie is that it's a feeling. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the feeling's not even like correct. Just you you hear a song and the lyrics don't matter because the physical sound sonically, it feels right. Mm-hmm. You see a movie, even if you don't gr- agree with it, you see an aspect of it that feels right. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make sense to other people, but something about it seems right. Mm-hmm. Something is it, it's it's an innate specific instance of something that you relate to. Um, you you know like one perfect shot and how it's also kind of like booty. I like one perfect shot a lot more than most people do. I think that it's just painfully obvious when the person who chooses something is like a white dude Mm -hmm. because it's usually basic and boring. Correct. (laughs) So when it's the other contributors and it's blatantly obvious when it is, I think that one perfect shot is a lovely collection. I think it's interesting. But when I think of like a perfect shot of something that isn't even specifically relating to me, um... So there is a uh, a Ralph Bakshi movie with a uh, a bit of a, a bit of a derogatory title that I don't really feel comfortable saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was originally supposed to be called Harlem Nights. That is not what the studio decided to call it. No, it is not. Anyway, there is a scene in this movie, and it's an animated movie. But there's a scene where you have a lone trumpet player playing in like the streets of Harlem. With, like, packed cars on a narrow street in the snow at night. And he's playing, like, this somber, melancholic thing by himself under a streetlight. And I see that image and I go, I don't know why, but this feels like how I'm feeling mm-hmm. on any given night. Mm-hmm. And I, you can't explain it, but it's a feeling. And I just yeah. want to tell people, it's like, I know this doesn't make any sense. I am not an elderly black man who plays trumpet in Harlem. Right. 
But that feeling, I, I feel that. Right. That one perfect shot says something inside of me. And I don't know why or what, but just that feeling. Well, so what you're saying right now, though, like it, it connects to something that I mean, I talk about how I was a teacher before mm-hmm. and I was specifically a social emotional teacher. Like I was helping kids learn emotional competency, um, emotional regulation, empathy like that. That was the core tenet of our, our classwork. And with my junior high kids, um, we would start every class with some sort of emotional regulation check in. And I would pose questions like, if how you were feeling right now was water, what kind of water would you be? And they always would like make fun of me. And then once we started like doing it and talking about it, it would become more aware like, oh, okay, I get this. Because if somebody says like, hey, how are you doing? And you're like, "Eh, I'm fine. Or like, eh, could be better. Or, oh, I'm great. Or, oh, I'm bad. Those are all subjective forms. Like that could mean any number of things depending on who you are. Mm -hmm. But if I say like, I feel evaporated. I feel like somebody put me in a pot of water because they were going to make rice or noodles or something. And then they just forgot about me. And I've just been boiling and burning and now I'm evaporated and there is nothing left and now nobody gets to have noodles. Mm-hmm. You may not know exactly like what I'm feeling, but that is a hell of a lot easier to process than could be better. Mm-hmm. You know? like well, it, what, That's what you're supposed to say. You're just like, oh, I'm fine. Right. You know, just... Just another day at the office. Right. Like that's that's your that's what people want. People don't care about how you're actually feeling when it comes to exchanging basic pleasantries. You are like morally obligated to give them like a neutral answer or like a positive answer. Because people also don't know how to process it when you don't give them that answer. Yeah. Like they're expecting you to be like, oh, I'm fine. How are you? And then when you're like, you know what, man? I'm not I'm not great, Bob. Like when you start doing that kind of thing, then people are like, oh shit. Yeah. I didn't ask for this. I was just trying to make conversation. I if if we were if I were to describe myself as water, like you specifically citing the scene that I'm talking about, which for context, anybody who looks up uh this movie, I know it looked the images look really bad. I promise. It's actually very fantastic satire and commentary on racism in America. Trust me. Anyway. If I were to describe it, it's that I emotionally feel like snow on cars at night on like that are parked on the street. And I try to have that feeling out there. But I'm in Los Angeles and -hmm. it was 90 degrees two days ago. Mm -hmm. And people go, oh, wait, no, no sunny disposition. Mm -hmm. And I go. No, snowy cars in the middle of night. And they go, but no, sunny, though. Mm-hmm. And people don't know how to handle that discomfort. Mm-hmm. And I'm really having a hard time relating this to some people that mm-hmm. I know because they, we're just we're just not connecting on the same well, thing. Well, because not only are you breaking, like, the social contract of not having, like, the 
don't trauma dump on me or whatever buzzwords that some people yeah let's weaponize more therapy terms for sure yep um no it's like because not only did you break the social contract but then like also the thing that is relating to you is something that so many people out here just have not experienced right i am straight up in the wrong environment while trying to explain this feeling yeah like i was talking to coworkers the other day who straight up never seen snow Mm mm-hmm and so, like, metaphorically speaking, that's me trying to explain this feeling. Mm-hmm. And they physically have never seen what I'm talking about. Right. So there's, like, comprehending that is just beyond the realm of possibility. Yes. And that, yeah, that's really frustrating. And I got to say, that is, like, kind of how I feel at all times. And the thing that is so difficult about it is that I'm aware of it. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I've had this conversation with people before about how... When you have, like, cognitive issues or when you have issues with memory or whatever, there's almost a beauty of not being aware of it. Mm-hmm. Like, the absolute – like, people always think, like, oh, the worst part of having Alzheimer's is when, like, you can't, like, take care of yourself anymore and you don't remember anybody and you're not there and blah, blah, blah. No, that's not the worst time because at that point, it's worse for everyone else around you because they have to witness this. But, like, you are not fully aware of how bad things have gotten. The worst part is when it's starting to get bad, but you still know that you know that was not right. Like I just called my daughter, my wife, that's not right. Mm -hmm. That's the worst part because you're fucking aware of it. And I'm so aware of it. And like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm dealing with right now is like, I have all these feelings. I know what those feelings are. I can name them. I know where they're coming from. I know why I'm feeling them. I know what to do in terms of like what therapy to take, what medication I have to take, what sort of self-soothing I need to do. I know how to do all of this stuff. I'm fucking clinically trained in how to do this. But knowing how to do it and even doing all of it doesn't fix it like it do- it just makes it manageable mm-hmm. it makes it so that i can survive another day mm-hmm. but it doesn't fix it like there's no fixing it it's it's chronic it's part of my normal well it's like you don't cure alcoholism yes like you you can't it the the, the option is you you don't drink <laughs> like that's what it is and like i can't just not be mentally ill i mm-hmm. can't And it's so frustrating. Like, I'm sitting here and, like, I'm crying and I have no control over it. This is my body's way of reacting. I can't stop myself from doing this. I sure would like to, but I can't. And, like, that's part of my normal and that's part of how I have to exist in the world. And it's so hard. Mm -hmm. And then when, you know, having to live that way in a society that does not make room or space for it. Like... The reality is I should take a week off of work and do nothing because the last two times I've taken off work have been to be a caregiver and a helper for other people to take care of the people that I love. I cannot afford to take off work to take care of myself. Because I've taken off too much work already this year to take care of other people. And I need to make it very clear because I know that some of them may listen to this. I do not regret taking off work to take care of you because I love you. 
and I want you to be happy and I want you to be safe and I want you to be mentally healthy. I'm not upset at those people. I am upset that we live in a world that is inhospitable to people who have problems like this. I hate that we live in a world that is so unaffordable. I hate that we live in a world where everything's so fucking expensive and like the cost of living is ridiculous. And I especially hate that in order for you and I to live in a place where we can be like physically safe, we have to pay four times as much as what we were paying when we lived in the Midwest where every fucking outside experience was a hostile. Like there literally is a price of safety and that is fucked. Like that is so beyond fucked. And all of that like compounds on top of everything that I'm going through. And I feel like I'm when I say that, like, I feel like I'm evaporated, evaporation also hangs in the air. Like, I'm still present and I know what's going on around me and I can't do anything about it. I can't get back in the fucking pot to make noodles and make people happy. Like, I can't do it. Like, it's, I'm out of the pot. I can't. And it's just, oh, it's so fucking much. <laughs> Might I suggest this be a moment? Where I take a fucking breath? Yes, because I'm gonna. <laughs> Whew. All right. You a little better now? I'm a little better now. Do you feel better now that you have gotten that out? That did help, for sure. The only problem is, like, I got myself a little worked up. And to add on top of everything, I also overproduce adrenaline. So when I get really worked up, I start getting, like, barfy feeling because my body's like, there's so many chemicals in here. We don't like this. Let's get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, taking that breath just now, I had this moment where I was like, ooh, that, ooh. that was like a a children's comic movie where suddenly like they drink a laxative and you can hear it digest in their body. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of how it felt. I was like, Oh, this is about to be that scene in major pain where they give him the laxative cupcake. Yeah. No, I, uh, <laughs> well, some of, some of these references we're bringing in to describe how we're feeling. <laughs> I know. Uh, see, but like, here's what I'm talking about. Like, I was just like scream crying and I'm cracking up like, oh, I mean, the body also laughs to mitigate discomfort. It does. This is also why like something that I think about all the time and I'm like, I don't know if anyone else would find this as funny as I would, but I want to make a Troop Beverly Hills parody shirt that just says mentally ill. What a thrill. Because, like, that is my internal monologue whenever I'm fully aware of how, like, bonk my brain is being. I'm just like, mentally ill, what a thrill. Mentally ill, what a thrill. Because if I don't laugh at it, then it hurts too much. Uh, See, that's funny because I sing various songs from Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, (laughs) the theme to Sonic X. It is a badass theme. Uh, It's fucking amazing. It's one of the best cartoon themes ever. Or, um, like... Blue streak speeds by. <laughs> like I, I sing those because again I am a shark, and if I stop swimming, I will die. So I have to go fast. Gotta go fast. I gotta be the fastest thing gotta alive. Go fast. Yes, <laughs> precisely. So I, just, the, what, what is that in like, in like some Western bastardization of like, Harry Krishna? That's like a mantra that you say in order to become Zen or something. <laughs> Yeah, 
I mean, and that's the other thing too, right? Is that like you can have a mantra that comes from anywhere and anything. Like I th- we get it in our head that I think that it needs to be this like very it needs to be om. It needs to be om, or it needs to be like this kind of like corny, like I can do it. Like the thing that I always tell people, and like I truly believe this, is a motto that I gave my kindergartners, which was "This is tough, but so am I." Like that works. Like that gets in my head. Mm-hmm. But what gets me on my like path better is mentally ill. What a thrill! Like that makes me. It's like okay, no, it's okay, it's okay. Uh-huh. It's not that deep. I can get through this. I can get through this. And that's what helps me. So, like, if you have something that works for you, let it work for you. It doesn't have to be some, like, Instagrammable, like, words of encouragement. It can just be whatever resonates with you. Mm -hmm. So something that I, I also want to point out that, like, we've talked around but haven't really discussed, like, you know, attack talking about this point now. Mm -hmm is this idea of like perseverance for the sake of perseverance, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that like we should all give up and take breaks and never like tough it out and blah, blah, blah. Like I'm not saying that. Like obviously there's a time and a place. What I am saying is that everybody has a limit and it is very important that you learn what your limits are Mm -hmm. and listen to them. Like Mm -hmm. it's very important to to do those things. And I think so frequently, you know, because of capitalism and social pressures and stigma and a million different reasons, we all feel this need to like persevere for the sake of persevering or that by somehow taking the time to like hit pause and really reflect on like what's going on is seen as not only a weakness, but also as like a failure. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I quit. There's no fucking shame in stopping and knowing your limits. If Simone Biles can know her limit and say, fuck this shit, I'm out, so can you. <laughs> Obviously, caveat, privilege. We know it's at the top of the show. I'm saying it again because I have to for my own sanity. But like, we we can stop like we don't have to persevere at the expense of our sanity and our stability because it's a lot easier to stop and heal and move forward than it is to push yourself too far and then have to try to fix everything because sometimes you push too far and there's no going back you stretch that rubber band too far it's lost its elasticity it's not going back Mm -hmm. And, like, you you can't do that to yourself. Like, if you extend your emotional bandwidth too far, it sometimes is damaged, right? Like, and it's it's not going to spring back. So, like, allow yourself that kindness. And, you know, if if you have the space and the ability, like, take the fucking time. Like... We didn't cover fighting with my family this week. WrestleMania is still going to happen. The world's not going to fucking end. WrestleMania always happens, even when it shouldn't, like in 2020. Yeah, it happens whether we want it to or not. WrestleMania never stops. <laughs> and like... Wrestling keeps going. And like... Then, now, forever. <laughs> and like something I was genuinely really worried about was like... You know, we have Patreon supporters. People pay for this show, right? People pay for us. Mm -hmm. 
And I was like, man, we're going to be letting down people who like pay for us. Because like once you add dollar amounts, like all that obligation like just hits tenfold, right? Mm -hmm. Like I have enough like obligatory guilt just as like, I don't know, an Italian oldest daughter. Um, But (laughs) I heard how Chicago my voice got just now. I'm so (laughs) sorry. Um, But I like, you know, that compounded everything. I was like, we we have people that we have to do this for that like have paid us money we have to do something mm-hmm. and then at the same time i was like you know what though like maybe we're gonna lose a couple people who are gonna genuinely be upset about it and if that's the case i don't want your money anyway hater like <laughs> i don't i don't i don't need to like appease people who are gonna devalue me or my work because heaven forbid I took care of myself, right? Like, if you are the type of person who's like, I paid good money for this podcast, you will do an analysis of a movie where Nick Frost can marry Lena Headey and give birth to Florence Pugh and you're gonna like it, then you can uh, go fuck yourself. Because, like, I don't need that toxicity in my life. They will get it eventually. You'll get... There's four major pay-per-views and WrestleMania never fucking ends and it'll be a great episode and you'll get it. But now is not the time. <laughs> now is not the time. The time is now, to quote John Cena. My time is now. And my time is getting my broken ass brain on a good foot. Because if I try to hobble my ass forward, I'm going to fall on my face. Mm-hmm. I got to get my shit together. Sometimes you fall and you fall and that's fine. Other times you fall and you turn that into the worm (laughs) and everyone loves the worm. So it's fine. (laughs) That's called good recovery. And that's just what we're going to do. We're going to worm right back up to an episode we actually, you know, recorded before you had a breakdown. So it's cool that it's in the bank. Yeah. My turning red one next week, everyone's going to be like, wow, what a recovery. Nah, that was before. (laughs) Yeah. We just how scheduling worked for our guests. So like, it's, it's fine. We'll get it together by the time we have to record our episode after that. Mm -hmm. I have, I gave myself buffer room with this. Like I was smart about it. Like even when I'm at my worst, my Tracy Flickism is still there where it's like, nope, got a schedule, got a plan, got a I have to plan my recovery. <laughs> but all of that said, I think I like to think that people like what we do because like, oh, we have good film analysis and we're talking about movies that, you know, don't get talked about nearly as much. How how many people do podcast episodes where they genuinely look at the impact of something like pretty smart? Uh, not a lot because it was really hard to find research for that episode. Or Sorority Boys, where the only person who's ever academically written about that movie was me. Yeah, you are the single person. (laughs) Yeah, so I like to think that people like that we talk about things that don't get spotlights. But at the end of the day, based on all the feedback we've ever gotten, people like it because they like us. I think that they will appreciate us taking care of ourselves so that we can put out a better product in the long term mm-hmm. and so that we don't eat filet of fish <laughs> and that'll be great. So I'm going to I'm going to give you a, a metaphor because I'm a very visual person. Sure. Since I can't do it in my fucking own head. But this is one that I I don't remember where I got it from. I'm assuming someone told me maybe it was like a wise elder. I don't know. Okay. But, oh, adding to the list. Also, my tinnitus just kicked in. Let's just, like, add more check marks. Like, at this point, 
I think I got a bingo at some point mm. <laughs> with all of the things wrong with me. Um, but I like to think about like mental health or relationships or people like anything in our lives that can be fixed or broken. I want you to think about them like a house. You can have the coolest, biggest, most luxurious house with the most decorative bedrooms and you can expand it. You can add a patio. You can add a pool. You can add additional rooms. You can add additional floors. You can add anything you want. You can decorate it. You can make it look beautiful. If that foundation is shit, it will all come crumbling down. You have to take care of the foundation. Is, isn't that just something biblical about not building your house on sand or something? Probably. I don't know. I think but that's a Bible lesson. If it is, I'm making it not sacred and not secular. Okay, cool. <laughs> you can put a conversation pit in your porn the, room. The Bible didn't bring up anything about hot tubs. <laughs> I don't think the Bible ever talked about French windows. <laughs> but like that's, I think too often that's what we do, right? Is like we're struggling in our house and we're like, I don't know, let's add better wallpaper. Maybe then it'll feel like a home. And it's like, nah, dude, you got to fix that foundation. And the thing is, if you don't fix that foundation when it starts to crack, eventually the only option you're going to have is to tear it all down and start over. Mm -hmm. And that is exhausting and no one wants to do that. But hey, sometimes that is what you have to do. Sometimes you have to just tear it down and start over. Mm -hmm. And... For me personally, I've been going back and forth a lot this week on whether or not I need to fix my foundation or if I need to tear it the fuck down. I need to tear it the fuck down. Mm-hmm. I've been decorating my house and letting my foundation get rockier and rockier and rockier. And as much as I love my room of all 2003 era inflatable furniture, That's the room I've added to it in my brain. Oh, okay. It's got to come down. All of it's got to come down because I, I've neglected my foundation for too long and trying to build anything on top of it is just going to make it come crumbling down anyway. And I'm, I'm already there. I, I'm just, I'm just crumbled Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm standing here surrounded by the rubble of everything that I've built. And the only reason that I know that, like, I can rebuild is because of what has fallen around me. I can look at my inflatable, my, I can look at the remnants of my room of 2003 era inflatable furniture and know that, like, that's our podcast. Those are the people who love this weird niche era of cinema we're talking about. And I can look over to my left and I can find the tattered remains of my indoor movie theater. And it's all of the movies that bring me joy and make me feel alive and make me want to live and to be better. And then I can look at this like glorious kitchen island that is cracked in half I know that there's so much food in this fucking city I haven't eaten yet, and I need to, because that's going to make me happy, and that's going to make me feel joy. 
But more importantly, like, I'm standing in all of this rubble. And you're standing with me. And it feels a lot more manageable. I could absolutely fix this house on, on my own if I needed to. But I don't have to do it alone. Well, you're in luck, little lady, because it sounds like you need a big, strong, used-to-be-a-man to help around the home. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, like... I'm the type of person where, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a fiercely independent person. But if I don't have to, I'm, I'm not afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I may be stubborn about it. But I'm not afraid of it. And with you, I don't even have to ask. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're already over to the left with the fucking hammer and you're like, all right, let's go. <laughs> I call the cement truck. They'll be here in a couple hours. Let's go. And knowing that I have you makes it so much easier to just tear the house down. Because I know I I have help to to put it back together. Mm -hmm. And to make it better and make it stronger. To make me better. Make me stronger. And know that it's okay that if a year from now, if we got to fucking tear it down again, that's what we do, you know? I'll have gained experience with electrician, with, with electrical by then. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I mean, I know I say it on the show all the time, but I really... I'm just so thankful that I have you in my life. I love you so much. Because of every reason in the world. But I have never had a partner who has looked at me and my broken house at my feet. And loved me still. And like, we've been together for what feels like both five minutes and forever. And I'm still like processing that. Like, and I think that's part of why it's so hard for me sometimes to take the time and stop is because I'm so used to not having that safety net. If I do stop and if I do take the time. But you offer that for me, and this is not me, like, putting pressure on you or adding, like, any sort of stakes to our relationship. Like, that is not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is expressing my appreciation for you and all that you do for me because you don't have to do these things. No one is obligated to do these things for their partner. But you elect to, and... It's so incredibly kind. As someone who spends so much time taking care of everyone. That I have you to take care of me when I need it. And like this was not where I thought this podcast was going to go. But that's where we are. 
So I just want to say thank you. <laughs> like, obviously, thank the listeners for giving me the grace and space to just fall apart on air right now. But most importantly, Harmony, thank you for letting me fall apart. <laughs> and for wanting to help me figure this shit out and not making me feel weird about it. <laughs> I love you very much. I will always take care of you when you need it because guess what? Give it two weeks and you'll probably be doing your lion's share. <laughs> Um, I, you know me, you know how I do things. Um, mm -hmm. in the middle of your breakdown, I was like, man, the opportunity is slipping away for me to talk about the metaphor of your house crumbling and for me to be like, damn, y'all really live like this. <laughs> because sometimes we just need to break that tension to make you feel better. <laughs> I'm not glad I was like sitting here like sucking snot at my nose and I was like, what? <laughs> assholery is about to come out of this woman's mouth. <laughs> I I make fun of you like that because it makes you laugh and it makes you feel better. It does. And I hope that people can hear in my reaction that, and they're not just like, oh my God. <laughs> wow, what a bitch. She was crying in harmony and made fun of her immediately. <laughs> the thing is, I'm not making fun of you for crying. That's the no. difference. I make fun of you for being a silly goose. <laughs> The best way I could describe it is that it is permanently like Christian when <laughs> Cher is all upset and clueless because her her baked goods are burnt because you forgot about them. And he goes, honey, you baked. Like, he's clearly <laughs> trying to diffuse the situation, acknowledge her feelings, but also, like, be like, it's not a big deal. Like, calm the fuck down. You're fine. Mm -hmm. And I love that you can do that for me. And you always know, like, what the most appropriate joke is in the moment. I don't, it's like a weird Jedi mind trick that you have. Like, I, you, you always know. I've spent a lot of time around you. I know what'll tickle your funny buttons. Um, being that you are as much of a mess and probably exhausted, how about we wrap up this episode and you can have some raspberry cheesecake ice cream I bought for you? Oh my God. Love raspberry cheesecake, anything. Just eat ice cream and eat your feelings, and it'll be fine. Oh, I will. And then we'll deal with so this all good. more when we're a little more rested tomorrow. <laughs> Sound good? That sounds like an absolute delight. I'm also, don't edit this part out. <laughs> and like, don't edit that either. <laughs> <laughs> like, leave me telling you not to edit this out. I'm so sorry you have to edit this episode and just listen to me cry and sniffle and lose my shit for an hour plus. Oh, it's like promising a young woman all over again, but without a movie. <laughs> right. It's just feelings. Once more with feeling. Oh, goodness gracious. Great balls of fire. Well. I didn't realize you were 80. <laughs> Oh, well, friends, this was obviously not a movie. <laughs> no one is asking anyone to prom because that's not what's happening. Um, the indie band of the week is whatever you want to listen to that makes you happy. 
Um, I'm not gonna plug socials because that's weird to be like, if you enjoyed my breakdown, follow us on Twitter. Like, that's fucking whack as hell. So I'm not doing that either. I just want to say thank you to every single person who listened to this episode and if you made it this far, then you must really love us. <laughs> uh, for real. Um, I feel like maybe you're my emergency contact now. Um, but no, I just want to thank everybody who reached out on Patreon or on social media and who sent such kind words um, about knowing this was coming. And honestly, like I'm, and the people who skipped this who will not hear this. I'm proud of you as well for being like, that's not what I can deal with this week. Mm-hmm. And I will come back when it's haha movie time. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of you for setting that boundary as well. Cause you deserve to set that boundary. Um, but uh, yeah, just, just thank you all for everything and for being so understanding and affirming during this time, because is rough pumpkins out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's intense. And I know that I've been kind of like joking around and dicking off a bit. Um, that's just part of my coping skills. That's how this works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I am going to go eat ice cream, continue to not wear pants, try to figure out how to make my sinuses calm down post crying because I sound really cool now. <laughs> I can hear it in my voice. It's really cute. And I would like to fix that and make that go away. And then I'm a I'm a I'm gonna go to sleep. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Cause tomorrow I get to continue with more Oscars discourse and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long day. So mm-hmm. thank you everyone for being wonderful and take care of yourselves. We love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>